0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Rob's Funk and Junk Podcast, episode number 20. I made it to 20. Um, sorry I wasn't here last week, had a week off, well not a week off, just busy, um, not making excuses, just busy gigs, sessions, bits and bobs, life and stuff. Um, how are you all out there today? Um, the weather's still absolutely crap here. I've just come back. Actually, what time is it? It is 20 to 3. I'm only just getting started on work uh, at 20 to 3 because I had a workout thing this morning at the uh, the gym. I will have the body of uh, an Adonis at some point, but not now. Um, man, it killed me today. Um, yeah, it just goes to show. Too many late nights, um, and it really place havoc on your ability to do exercise successfully. I'm just going to turn my mic up a little bit. Um, I did notice last week, uh, last podcast, that my mic was distorting, so um, sorry about that. Apologies. I got my levels all uh, wrong. Um, But yeah, I had a workout, and I've just been out walking the dogs, um, separate walks today, getting my 10,000 steps in, so I can live Um, a long and healthy life, hopefully. Uh, yeah, gotta start taking care of myself a bit more, as we all do when we get to the age that we are. Yes, um, yeah, so how is everyone out there? I hope you're all, um, well, safe, and, uh, getting on with your musical endeavours, or just your life, if you're not a musician, or listening to music and enjoying it, um, I actually just listened to a great podcast, by the way. Um guy it's a podcast called Riff Raff. If anyone's out there in the uh, in the mood to listen to some really good guitar chat, uh let me just check. I wanna say his name correctly, but I, I'm, he's a he's an amazing player. Um a guy called Shane Terrio. Therio Terrio, I think it is Terrio. Shane Terrio, who is the guitar player, M D for Hall of Notes, but he has done He's got this podcast that I've actually listened to for quite some time now. Actually, called Riff Raff, and he has some great does some great interviews. I don't think he does podcasts regularly. I think he sort of puts them out every couple of months, or maybe you know, maybe just whenever he feels like doing it, which I think is cool as well. You know, he's he's a busy chap, and I know what that's like when you're. uh, Well, I'm learning what that's like. Sometimes you can't always get the time to to. sit down, or the headspace to sit down and uh, talk to yourself for half an hour or 40 minutes but he always has guests on Um, and that I know is something I would like to do in the future but it seems to be quite difficult to schedule things so, um, but he just had a really good chat, the one I just listened to was a really good chat with um, it was all about YouTube guitar players so he had on his podcast he was talking to um, hang on, let me just have a look at the episode he's talking to RJ Ronquillo if that's correctly if I'm sp- saying his name correctly who's a- an amazing player um, and uh, he does a lot of sort of pedal demos and gear demos on his YouTube channel, he's got a very successful YouTube channel um, and he's also talking to Jeff McElaine Mc- McElaine, is that how I pronounce his name? Jeff McElaine, McElaine, yeah, God, I can't speak today, Um, but yeah, he, you know, they're, they're just talking about the journey from being touring and playing guitar players and, you know, and then sort of talking about the journey into becoming YouTubers, which is, you know, it's a uh, it's a it's a huge thing these days. You know, I remember the last time I went to the NAMM show, which was probably two years before the old pandemic. Um, I noticed that YouTubers were seeming well. There were there were hordes of people following YouTubers around, and then there were you know I, I was standing there and Omar Hakim. And Daryl Jones walked past me and no no one batted an eyelid. It's almost like people didn't even know who they were. Um, I think it's something to do with the visual visuality of YouTube, you know. Um, it's quite an accessible thing. You don't have to go to a gig. You can sit at home or sit and watch it on your phone when you're, you know, waiting for a bus or whatever you're doing or, uh, you know. Um, yeah, it It's uh, So they're talking about the journey into YouTubers and uh, being a YouTuber and an online guitarist, of which there are a lot. And then that kind of made me think, um, well, basically all, all three of them are, you know, they have, they are gigging, touring musicians or were touring musicians. I think RJ Ronquillo played with Ricky Martin and a few other artists. And then I think Jeff McAlane is an artist in his own right, released his own records, and uh, they just kind of fell into it. Anyway, I'm telling you what's on their podcast, and it's, uh, it's, it's really good to listen to um, that kind of thing. It's sort of inspiring and also quite, quite uh, educational of, about what it takes to do all that stuff and how difficult it is actually doing a YouTube video. I've done it. God, man, it's hard work um to to sit there and uh talk on video well yeah it's quite hard work and and uh, you know running the cameras getting the lighting right some days you 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 lose a whole day because you're just not by the time you've fucked up 15000 times you really aren't in the mood to play or talk and then you watch back what you've just recorded and <laughs> you look like you're in a really bad mood um I used to do that. I, I did a few myself. And uh, yeah, just getting into the, the, the habit of talking on video to yourself all day long and making mistakes and ums and ahs. And you you hear yourself back and you realize you sound like a, a doofus. Did I just say doofus? Um, I'm not in an 80s American film. Um, but yeah, it's not easy to do. And I'm sure you get into it. But, um, these guys are very, very, very good at it and, uh, they, uh, they seemingly do really well from it. Um, I'm not sure I could do it like that when I was trying to do it. I only did it for, you know, on and off for a year and I found it quite, um, for me, it just wasn't what I wanted to get into at that time. Maybe I will down the line, um. I am thinking of doing a little tuition course, a video tuition course. So, um, but yeah, that's quite hard to get your head round. I'm, I'm thinking about it and, and how I would do it and what sort of subjects. But if it actually, yeah, if anyone's got any ideas that things they'd like me to talk about on a online, um, video course, I, you know, I, I kind of think I'd probably go from the approach of playing funk stuff. Um, Or maybe I do a couple of courses, one on funk guitar, one on studio guitar, like home recording studio stuff, how I approach that, Um, because I do a hell of a lot of that. So I do feel like I know quite a bit about it, although I'm always still learning. But yeah, if anyone's got anything that they'd like to see um, or hear me talk about or teach, um, yeah, that might get me get me cracking. Um yeah, send me a send me an email at Rob Harris oh uh, no, not Rob Harris, that's my other one. Uh and junk at gmail.com. Um and I might get to it. I have been doing quite a bit of writing lately, so um as well. So I could perhaps use a couple of tracks that I I'm working on here. Cause that's a problem when you're doing a recording course, you can't use someone else's tracks that you're doing a session for. So you have to sort of create your own thing. But I'll I'll figure it out. Um What else has been happening? Uh, I just had a lovely couple of days away in the south of France. I got back last night. I did a demo, not a demo, a clinic for PRS um, at an amazing shop called um, Brock Music in Nîmes in the south of France. And um, man, this place was an absolute treasure trove. It was like heaven. More guitars than you can... uh, can imagine pedals a wall of pedals like new and secondhand and amps everywhere and like uh, a load of sort of old gear there was there was some old gear that I sort of was walk, just browsing around the shop you could spend days in there and never see everything but um I was just browsing around the shop and come across some old gear that I used to have you know when I was a kid um I saw the old Intellifex the Rocktron Intellifex which I um i I kind of coveted and, you know, saved for months and months to get hold of one, um, which uh, back in the old rack mount days, the old, uh, when everyone had a, a huge fridge-style rack mount thing that they carried around to their little pub gigs. <laughs> oh God, it was ridiculous. Oh, man, I used to turn up to a pub gig with a with a, a Marshall, two two Marshall 2x12s, like the miniature sort of, um, the miniature uh, um, Marshall cap, the smaller ones. Two of those, a rack that was probably about a 10U rack, and I had a an, an H&H power amp in it, and um, a boogie preamp, a a boogie studio preamp mess boogie studio preamp and i also had a uh an IntelliFX and a quadriverb and a foot switch and a guitar and i'd be turning up to do gigs for 50 quid a little pub in acton (laughs) every friday night you know imagining i was uh playing at the baked potato in uh, in la whilst you know churning out mustang sally to the uh, the drunken and inebriated but yeah <laughs> it was it was a nice little walk down memory lane the other day at this guitar store just seeing all the old gear and uh you know i remember i remember buying that intel effects it cost me a fortune or it, they cost a fortune back in the day and then uh you know i stopped using it stopped using the racks went back to using pedals And then I tried to sell it. I could. Would anyone buy it? No one wanted it. It just. It was just. It became one of those things that you know, just was absolutely useless to anybody after a certain time because you know the sound changed and uh, no one no one wanted them or new bits of kit come out. But that's what they were talking about with the uh, on this podcast is the amount of pedals that come out. Um. I just yeah, there's just it's a never-ending stream of new pedals that are coming out all the time. Overdrive pedals, just oh, this is the new thing. I've got to get the new thing, and uh, yeah, I I've been using the same ones. I've got three. If I'm looking down at my board now, I have three over, overdrive pedals. I have. Um, I've got the the Vemurum Shanks OD, ODS one. It is which is brilliant, which is like a, a version of, this is on my main huge, my main large pedalboard, which I've got to actually do some work on soon. Um, it's, uh, it's the remake of the, uh, it's like a, a, a newer version of the uh, Noble ODR1, which I still also use all the time, but that's on another little pedalboard. Um, I have the Gladio Cornerstone, which is brilliant, um, but Although I haven't used it loads. It's good, but I haven't used it loads. And then for much heavier stuff, I've got the uh, the Friedman... What's it called? B-O-D Deluxe. B-E-O-D Deluxe. Um, which is a bit more of a marshall thing. thing. Um, yeah, they're, you know... If I can't get the sounds I need out of those three, yeah, I must be doing something wrong. But, um, yeah, I don't change them a lot. But, yeah, that's what they were saying. Because <laughs> RJ is uh, a pedal demonstrator, he just gets pedal after pedal after pedal after pedal, and uh, I can imagine it must be, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he either gives them away or sells them or whatever afterwards. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I've got a, a cupboard at the back of my room full of pedals that I never even look at. You know. Um, I know it's a, a habit that people get into, but yeah, I I seem to have stopped that these days. And I, uh, you know, as I as I sort of have mentioned many many times in the past, I tend to take out on gigs these days, especially well the gigs I'm doing most of the time. I'm turning up, and they just give me two XLRs, and they come out the back of my Quad Cortex, and I'm either using in ears or I've got my FRS, and that means I can get. The terms I want at the low volumes that the club requires, rather than having a raging amp behind me. But yeah, anyway, but that's, that's uh, it's a really good podcast, I, I really recommend you check it out, it's called Riff Raff by Shane Terrio, he's brilliant. Um, I, sounded like, I sounded like a radio DJ there, <laughs> my radio voice. Um, yeah, but yeah, going back to the weekend, I had a really, really good time working um, sort of playing some PRS guitars and uh, there was a, a really good demonstrator called Silvestre on Silvestre Silvestre I'm really struggling with name pronunciation today don't know what's going on Um, um but yeah I had a really good time walking around a guitar shop then uh, I played a played a couple of tunes and then went out for a really nice dinner with the shop owner Thomas and his wife um, and we were in a bar next door a bit, bit of a rock rock bar. And uh, one of their friends was a winemaker. So uh, <laughs> there were just plenty of bottles of wine. As soon as one was empty, another one was there. So I ended up getting to bed about sort of half two, three. And then, um, oh man, going there. Fuck me. Going there. The night before I left, I had a, they, you know, PRS had kindly got me a, a hotel the night before at Gatwick Airport. So I turn up probably about 9 o'clock at night because um, I had to be up at 4 a.m. the next day. And I I check in the hotel, go to bed, you know, try and get to sleep. I'm struggling to sleep. Eventually probably got off to sleep about 10.30. 2 a.m., the fire alarm goes off in the hotel. So I'm, I'm completely you know, lost as to what's going on. I'm looking, cause I got a new iPhone. I'm looking, I picked up my phone going, God, that alarm's loud. I thought I'd set my alarm for the wrong time. And, uh, I was like, then, then I was like sort of wandering around the room. I picked up the hotel phone thinking it was, I'd booked an alarm call for the wrong time. And it turned out it was the, uh, the fire alarm. So all of the, uh, hotel is now sort of gangling down the stairs I'm freezing cold because I didn't grab any jump or anything. I just uh, was in a, jeans and a T-shirt. And uh, we stood outside the hotel for about an hour at 2 a.m. So 2 till 3. And what it was, some absolute bellend had been vaping in their room. And uh, yeah, obviously overdid it and set the fucking fire alarms off. Thank you, whoever that was. If you are a guitar player and you're listening to this and you know it was you, you he or she or them or uh, whatever the correct um pronoun is for for you (laughs) thanks for that so i ended up getting back in getting back to sleep about half past three and then my alarm went off at four so i was absolutely knackered and then really long day the next day yeah same sort of thing went to bed hence why this morning's gym workout was really really hard work but um it was enjoyable i feel much better now for doing it um i have got well i'm going to try this out um while i'm here i was thinking of this new little feature that i'm going to try and uh do and if anyone's got any funk basically what it is i'm going to call it funk and junk after the website so i'm going to talk about something funk which is Um, funk is going to be the word for a good thing that's happened this week a nice thing and then there's going to be junk for something that's just got on my nerves so uh, uh, I'm not ranting for too long Um, so this week's junk I'm going to start with junk and uh, I I thought of this the other day when I was out walking with my airpods in, uh, listening to an interview podcast and this week's junk I'm starting with junk is um the word like the way people use the word like i listened to this interview the other day and i might do it actually i might do it all the time i don't know but i listened to this interview the other day with a certain artist that i really love i really love his music and uh man this guy said like a lot it was like i nearly did it myself it was nearly every other word it was kind of you know hey man and then i'm like and then uh, and then we were like and then like you know when well, i just think about it like and and then you know i like he never actually used the word like in the in the way that it was supposed to be like by saying i like that guitar part or he used it i, I mean i couldn't even count up i had to stop listening to it cuz it was driving me up the wall um so that's my first junk for the week um and then I'm going to do funk so um funk for the week is my funk for the week is actually I'm going to say it was just being with some nice people the other day in the south of France really really friendly people um having some nice chats about guitar and about the guitar industry and how healthy the guitar sale industry is and talking to someone who absolutely was completely passionate this guy Thomas Um, I'm not sure of his surname, actually, but Thomas, he runs the the Brock Music Place. That's the funk. So the funk for the week is talking to nice people about guitars. And the junk for the week is people who say like when they should be saying something else. It's become a replacement for uh, um or ah. And I'd say um a lot because uh, I listen to my podcast back sometimes to check the audio quality. So I do say um a lot and get on my own nerves. But anyway, if, uh, if anyone's got any funk or junk that they'd like to send in. Um, and uh, the other thing I'm thinking of doing is I'm thinking of actually getting some funk and junk t-shirts made. If anyone would be interested in those, um, you know, um just to spread the word, basically. Um, I do really appreciate people listening into this podcast and, uh, I I like sort of getting the emails, people send in some nice things. Um, thankfully they're not sending in horrible things saying that I'm a dickhead and I don't know what I'm talking about, but, uh, it is nice. I do enjoy doing this and I'm glad when people say that likewise that they're enjoying it. Um, I have had a couple of emails. Oh, other news that I have. I have talked about this before, I've mentioned it already, but I am, um, I have been, I had a meeting with Paul last week, we have got a venue and some dates, I'm not going to release them just yet, for our, Paul and I set up a thing a few years ago called Boom and Twang, Boom and Twang, um, where we we were sort of, this is kind of almost before the huge sort of resurgence of the YouTube sort of lesson thing happened. You know, we had the idea that we were going to do some online courses. um, And Paul and I quite often do masterclasses anyway. So we have thought about doing our own weekends um, here in the UK. I have mentioned it before. So we now have some dates. So um, if anyone is interested, drop me a line, but we're going to be doing um, joint bass and guitar weekends um, here in the UK. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to release the dates probably next week. Um, just cause I'm waiting for something else to clear first, just to, to be absolutely certain, but it's going to be a great weekend. Um, going to be a handful of students, handful of guitar players, handful of bass players, and we're going to be doing some, um, joint classes, some one-to-one classes, and then some joint workshops where we're going to have a visiting, uh, celebrity drummer uh, where everyone can get up and have a play and you know kind of work on the 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 idea of how important ensemble playing is and how to play it as part of a group you know so that's what we're doing Um, but if anyone's interested drop me a line uh what else have I got so I have got a couple of emails here um that I'm going to read out thank you for sending them in Remember, if you, anyone else has got any, drop me a line on junk at com. So here we go. So I've got one from Michael Gibson. Good name. Michael. Nice. It's like Jimmy Fender. Um, right. So what have I got? Uh, did I read this out last time? I don't know. Um, hi, Rob. Big fan of the podcast. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks. Really enjoy listening to them on car rides and hearing you natter on about music and general life. I mean that in a good way, don't worry. It really feels down to earth. So thanks for continuing to upload. It always cheers me up. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Ben. I was wondering, how do you set your amps up for playing live, especially with bands like Jamiroquai? Do you prefer your amps to be pristine, clean, think eye-popping transients or high headroom, or just on the verge of amp breakup? I know you would use studio compression when tracking DI, but how do you manage clean tones with real amps live? Also, how does your approach to live guitar tone differ when using modelers such as the Quad Cortex compared to the real thing? Hope all is well. Wishing you all the best from Scotland. Thanks for that, Michael. Um, So, with Jamurakwai, I always used to... uh, Because we never play that loud. So... Um, The amps that I used to use when I started were much louder, sort of louder, sort of uh, 50-watt amps. I was using these Hughes and Kettners. So I could play quite loud back then. And then I swapped over to using a Fender Twin for my clean sounds. Uh, I I used to switch between amps. So I had a Fender for clean and my old Marshall for lead tones. So I used to sort of A-B the amps. Then I swapped over to using two Mesa Boogie Lone Stars, um, which were I think were set to 50 watts and then eventually set down to 25 watts because Jay doesn't like a lot of volume on stage. You can't take things being too loud. Um, I'll get to the point of this in a minute. Um, then I swapped over to using my uh, divided by 13 JRT 15, which is uh, it's a 915 so it's got 9 watts in one mode and then 15 watts in another mode I believe forgive me if I'm wrong with that Um, but what happened over over the years is the band got quieter and quieter on stage so I was using amps with much, valve amps with much lower wattage ratings which meant that the break up of those amps would be sooner um they would be sooner, you know, rather than having a Fender twin, which has got quite a high headroom for, for before it starts to break up. So I did typically go for as clean a headroom as I could get. Um, If I'm ever going to do a gig where I must use an amp, a higher amp, which is much less and less these days, because I now use modelers for gigging. Um, I used to always spec, on the uh, the higher amp um a fender deville you know the uh, the two by twelve Fender deville amps which are seem to be most consistent most you know actually a lot of the time in the rental gear would be you know you'd always order two because one of them wouldn't work. I have had it where I've ordered two and both of them didn't work and then had to get a third one along but but they um they tended to have quite a high headroom as well. So when I was playing with Sister Sledge, I'd always spec a Fender DeVille amp, um, the 2x12 one. Now, that's because I was playing very clean sort of funk parts for for those tracks, and I wanted pristine clean. Um, I don't mind a little bit of breakup, but uh, I don't want too much of it. I don't mind. I can always pop the volume back on the guitar slightly. But yeah, I don't, I really don't mind a little bit of breakup happening. Um, and with modelers now you can get, you can dial that in. You can really dial, you can be so precise with what you want your tone to be. Um, I think that's why they're so good. They're getting so good, um, for, for gigs like, you know, larger, larger volume, larger venues. They're perfect for that. I think Um, I've spoken about this a lot before but I can you know one of my models that I use on my um, in my one of my rigs that I use in my quad cortex I'm using a capture of my um, divided by 13 FTR 37 and I set that clean when I captured it so it so it's just on the edge of breakup so if I push really hard on the guitar. Say I use a three-three-five and I really push hard, it will break up slightly. Um, perhaps less so with a strat, but um, but then I can model it a little bit hotter if I want to. But for the stuff that I'm doing, especially for the Last Meriquai tour, I needed some really pristine, clean sounds. So I would use a you know a model of a, a Michael Britt. Capture of a divided by thirteen amp. I, I particularly like those amps, so, and I have them. And uh, I did AB them between mine and the real, the real, you know, the the real thing, and the capture in my studio through my studio monitors. And you know, you're splitting hairs to tell the difference. Um, so yeah, th- that's what I how I set it. Uh, that you know, as I said, when you've said how how does your approach to loop the live guitar tone differ when using modelers such as the Quad Cortex. It uh, It is, I just think it's, for where I'm at in my head these days, with my life and gigging and touring and stuff like that, I think it's a brilliant way to do gigs. Um, you can do so much more, um, you can do so much more with the modeler like switching wise, you know, I can' imagine taking a huge pedal board around, and it is great, but there's so much more that can go wrong. And for the amount of for the t- the gigs that I'm doing these days, the modeler absolutely fills every ticks every box that I need it to for the gigs that I'm doing, you know um, If I'm playing down the pub, which is very, very rare these days, i'm I'm usually out doing another gig. I would take my Deluxe or my Princeton and, you know, or something a little bit louder and my pedal board. But because I'm having to switch from sound to sound and, you know, you can do all the kind of soundscapey stuff, which sounds incredible on your in-ears and and really does translate out the front. Um, I listened to live stuff, the live shows that we did. You know, we'd always have a recording of the live, of the Jamurukwai shows. And I was always really pleasantly surprised at how the guitar cut through the mix um, with the Kemper that I was using. You know, it sounded fine. And I, I remember going to see other shows where there'd be a guitarist that had a huge rig, massive rig, pedals everywhere, amps off stage, mic'd up, and his tone was shit, terrible. And then there was the backup keyboard player who was using a Kemper, and he sounded great, you know, and it wasn't about the playing it was just about the sound one second my dog wants to go out for a pee but i hope that answer qu- answers your question i'll be right back pee time done um sorry about that uh yeah so where was i so i've got another email from my good friend john stathopoulos hey john how you how you doing man nice to hear from you again uh, he says hi rob Actually, it's great. John always sends great questions in. Um, Hi, Rob. On the algorithm thing, I generally agree that having an algorithm decide who sees and listens is a sad, a tragic sign of our times. However, I also believe that we are lucky to have a medium like Instagram to keep us close to artists we like and live the experience of immediate communication with them. End of that. Uh, A question: Have you ever found inspiration from something other than music that you managed to channel? to your playing music, playing music, um, slash music. I have read stories of musicians being inspired by paintings or books and channeling it into writing music. It seems strange to me, but I'm not much of a composer nowadays just studying and playing music. Well, yeah, I do. Yeah. All the time. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's like, a. I get it from a feeling point of view. I think of the feeling of things. Um, So, yeah, what I mean by that is the emotions of things. So if I'm watching a film or reading something in a book or just having a conversation with someone, um, I'm really into this thing of music being a conversation thing. Um, That's how I approach coming up. I mean, when you say composing or inspiration, that's how I approach trying, you know, I try to make my approach to playing on other people's music is I'm trying to complement what it is they're doing so I'm I'm trying to play sympathetically to what their song is um so yeah I do take inspiration from that but then I get that inspiration by um by watching a lot of things you know I, I might hear some music on a film and and you know love the sort of atmosphere of it and try and sort of be inspired by that when i'm doing something on my own or the excitement of of a part or the uh the sort of harsh you know abandon of a part you know something that you know i, I do quite like throwing things in that don't don't necessarily fit um purposely to make th- make th- the thing feel a certain way, so yeah, I do take inspiration all the time from things. It's quite a hard question to answer, actually, I don't know whether I've answered that correctly, but um, yeah, and then you know, without sounding too like a hippie, um, yeah, just going out and walking in the countryside, um, I take in all that stuff. I know that my taste in music is very song based. So even when I'm writing an instrumental piece, which I've been working on some things lately, I like to have melodies. I like to hear melodies. Um, I listen to some other things. I listen to some, um, you know, I kind of listen to a few things that come out with some players that are out there at the moment. And what, uh, whilst I am absolutely blown away by the ability of the playing, I'm not, I can't listen to it more than once because there is no song there. Whereas when I listen to something like Jeff Beck, there is always a melody, you know. Even if it's a, a like a a grotesque sort of ugly sounding thing, at least there is an a, an intention and a melody. I mean, I mean talking about some of their, you know, there is that song Scatterbrain, which I absolutely love. When I say grotesque, I, I mean that in a good way. I mean, there is it's purposely a melody, a melodic thing. It's a song. You know, it's not just a demonstration of how amazing someone is on a guitar. And please, before anyone writes in and starts having a, a go, I do, you know, I love guitar players. I think there are some amazing things. I just think for my amazing artists, I mean, I just think for me, I like to hear a song, a form, something that I can kind of sing along with and, and, and get the emotion of the melody. that's just me Uh, I don't want to offend anyone by saying that you know we all like what we like and uh, I'm not you know picking out any particular guitar player Um, that's why I like people like Robin Ford you know he's very melodic his playing is very melodic his phrasing Larry Carlton same thing Steve Lukather incredible John Schofield same thing all of even his solos are melodic really sort of uh, song based and I, I take inspiration from those things i think i actually i like the sound of the older stuff a bit more you know it's just it's just my personal taste my record collection at the moment i'm you know i'm listening to things like neil young and uh, um listening to old randy crawford records and and um you know like the dude by quincy jones that's what i'm into i like that kind of thing so Um, I I take inspiration from those kinds of uh, especially music wise that kind of thing I like how things used to sound and feel I always prefer to hear people playing you know I I prefer the interaction of a couple of people playing in a room you know I think it just feels better to me anyway ranted long enough um Where am I at now? 39 minutes. I'm going to close this off before I get to 40 minutes. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. It really means a lot to me. And um, uh, I will try and get back next week. I've got um, a Trionic gig coming up next week. If anyone wants to come down and see us at the Pizza Express in Soho on the 14th of March. Um, Myself, Ivan and Paul um, have a Trionic show coming up. it's selling pretty well, but, you know, we can always fill it out. Please come on down and listen to some uh, some good music. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening. Once again, if you've got any questions, drop them in to robsfunkandjunk at gmail.com. Take care and have a good week. Bye.